0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Are you bored? Do you find church uninteresting? I think that's the kind of person that we see coming to Jesus in our text. But let's get our bearings first. All the way back at the end of June we heard Jesus' thematic statement for this part of Luke's gospel. When the days were approaching for him to be taken up, Jesus was determined to go to Jerusalem. From that point on, Jesus is focused on one thing and he will not be distracted. Jesus is headed To the cross. Everything Jesus does and says points toward this single reality. That is his destination. That's why in last Sunday's text, Jesus was so eager to cry out, It is finished. But here, in the midst of Jesus' all important journey, someone asks, Lord, Are only a few going to be saved? Not a question about Jesus' suffering and death. Not even about this man's own sins and forgiveness. This interrogator isn't interested in himself, in his own destiny. He wants to know about all the others. After all, the questions of whether someone else will be saved... Are much more interesting we could debate that all day does that guy get in or you know I'd really like to hear about her sins yes this unnamed questioner seems to be concerned about others trying to peer into their unseen hearts or maybe this man is just plain bored the preaching of Jesus isn't enough for him. He wants to get into the mystery of salvation. Why are some saved and not others? As an academic exercise, it's sort of a question of pride. A question that, the, that assumes that the one who is asking it is outside of its scope. Like the child who comes to you eager to point out how his playmate took a toy, but he neglects to tell you what he did to start things to begin with. So Jesus speaks to those who are bored, who find the sin, who find the sins of others more interesting than their own. He says, agonize about your salvation If you think church is boring, if you think his teachings aren't all that interesting to you, agonize about whether you are saved. Where the bulletin has printed strive, it's the Greek word agonizomai, from which you can hear agonize. Originally, it meant to compete for a prize in the Olympic arena, In Greek, the agon was the place of contest, the stadium. So to you who think church is boring, Jesus says, no, it is the place where you are prepared for the conflict. Life in this world is a deadly struggle and we need training and discipline And it's the same word that St. Luke uses to describe Jesus' hellish struggle in the garden when his sweat became as blood. So if you're tempted to look at others and speculate about their salvation, Jesus wants you to turn your attention to your own heart and see what religion resides there. Agonize. Struggle against your sin and unbelief. Now, as those who are students among us return to classes, perhaps they can relate. Maybe some of your classes seem too easy. Or it doesn't seem like the teacher is having you do what you think would be helpful. Someone who is bored doesn't see the reason for struggle. If heaven is too easy to enter, what's the point? If I know that Jesus forgives me anyway, why do I need to go to church? If I'm not going to hear ten practical life tips or something else that I find interesting, why should I be there? Is church really that important? But listen to what Jesus says. Many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able. Literally, Jesus says, many will try to enter and will not be strong enough. Getting into heaven is no easy task. Much like the feats of strength you see in the Olympics, only a few are accepted on the team. And even fewer will win a medal. Most don't. And let's continue our Olympic analogy a little further. When one is trying out for the Olympics, he has to be all in. Doubting and looking back are no way to win a race. Only an unwavering gaze on the prize will do. The one who figures there's always next year, doesn't tend to succeed. Promising to do better next time doesn't win medals. And yet, how many foolishly believe there is more than one chance to enter heaven? How many are like the rich fool who think his barns and immense wealth will give him time to repent later? Yet Jesus here promises that one day the master of the house is going to get up and shut the door and lock it. Then all the pleading and weeping and knocking will have no effect. Jesus preaching here calls to mind that of Noah. Well, we don't have any of Noah's sermons St. Peter tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. As Noah spent a hundred years building a massive boat in a place that had never seen rain, his friends and neighbors probably asked him what he was doing. Over and over, Noah would reply that a great flood was coming and that this ark was the way of salvation. But they were indifferent. Hear how St. Matthew describes it. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man returns. In fact, in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the very day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not realize what was coming until the flood came and took them all away. All through the time the ark was being built, its door was wide open. It was the only way to salvation. Perhaps there were some who wandered into the ark out of curiosity, but they couldn't be bothered to stay. Noah and his preaching were just too boring. This life and all it had to offer was far more interesting Yet when the day came for God to close the door of the ark, only Noah's family was on board. But suddenly, when the door was closed and the rain started, I imagine the people were immediately interested in gaining entry. I imagine that they pleaded and wept, even pounding on the door. But the time for salvation was over. No longer a bored citizen anywhere, but the time for striving and agonizing was done. Perhaps suddenly then they had an interest in God's word. Then they had their own sort of agonizing. They were weeping and gnashing of their teeth, but their tears could not satisfy them and gnashing their teeth brought no comfort, nothing they could do could open that door. So if you are bored with church now, consider the alternative as the excitement of desperation and misery, a kind of excitement known only to those who are locked out. If the things of Christ invite boredom, the worshiping and communing, the preaching and teaching, then perhaps these things don't seem absolutely necessary to your salvation. Perhaps simply by being with those who are being saved, you will be included. Perhaps Jesus will save by proximity. You've eaten and drunk in his presence. You've attended dinners with church members. You've been to this table. And all in Jesus' name. How could you not be saved? You've been among the preaching and teaching for years. Aren't you in? But Jesus doesn't save just because you got near to him. Last week's gospel told us that his work of salvation divides even families. Some are saved, others are lost. Being on the membership roll of a church doesn't get you into heaven, nor does being nice. Even some whom you consider to be in first place aren't going to make it in. And some whom you consider to be last will be saved. All of this is what Jesus is saying in response to the unnamed questioner in today's text. Jesus doesn't want questions about others' salvation. He doesn't want idle speculation about what's in someone else's heart. He wants you to consider whether heaven's door will be slammed in your face. But Jesus has more to say. If you are weak and heavy laden because of your sins, if you are troubled about your salvation, then Jesus would have you rejoice. For in Jesus, salvation is yours. Yes, there is only one door to salvation. There is no salvation outside of it. Every soul that is saved must fit through this door. And yes, that door is narrow. That door is so narrow that if you try to fit through it, holding on to your sins you won't be able to make it. You won't be strong enough. If you keep your focus on whether everyone else is saved, you will not get through the door. The door is impossibly narrow. But that door is Jesus. Yes, the door is narrow. But it is as narrow as a cross. The one narrow door to heaven is the body of God hanging dead on a cross. The, one, the door is the one who spread his arms wide to die for all sinners, to welcome little children. And he invites, urges, and welcomes all people to come, to enter the narrow door to salvation. For the door of salvation stands open, Though this door is narrow, it is wide open now and only Jesus can close this door. Your sins do not close the door, nor does your boredom, your worries, your fears. The door is wide open enough for a multitude to come streaming through from Earth's wide bounds, from oceans farthest coast. Through gates of pearl, streams in the countless host, singing to Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Even for those whom you wouldn't expect, this door stands open. And you have been brought through that door by your baptism into him. While those outside claimed their proximity to Jesus, he says... I don't know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of unrighteousness. So you do not simply claim that Jesus preached in your streets, but that he has put his name on you. Not simply that you ate and drank in his presence, but that you eat and drink his body and blood in the Holy Communion. For you do not claim your own righteousness, but the righteousness of Jesus himself. In Jesus, you have the cure for your boredom. For you are a guest at the great feast. And that is something very far from boring. Every Sunday, we praise our Lord, not just with those gathered here but with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven. In the communion service, the songs of praise of the prophets and apostles blend with our own. And we sing with the saints of old and all our loved ones who have fallen asleep in Jesus. The church in heaven gathers with the church on earth around Jesus as he makes himself known to us in bread and wine. Here is where those being saved constantly gather to be pointed to Jesus the door and to be given the strength to go through that door. Here is where we taste the feast of the kingdom of God by dining on the body and blood of the king himself. Here we don't wonder in boredom about how many are being saved. Here we rejoice in the excitement that we have been saved. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.